Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Well, we get to worship this morning, our God, and we have done that. Thank you, Angela and girls, for worshiping or leading us. Uh, this morning, I want to, we're going to go into Genesis 24 is where we're going to go this morning. So you can start turning your Bibles over to that, Genesis 24. Uh, as I mentioned, Suzanne and I were at a conference this week, and, and honestly, um, this week, because we're not in the middle of a series, we're not really, uh, it's kind of a, a week where I didn't have anything uh, planned in advance of us going through, I, I was kind of really praying to the Lord and saying, what do you want me to, to, to share with the church on Sunday? What do you want me to, to share? And, uh, and this conference that we were at, it was talking about the Holy Spirit, and it was talking about the guidance of, of God's Spirit in our lives, and us listening to Him, and us uh, being in tune with Him. And, and, and it was just a wonderful conference where I was really blessed to be there. Um, and on our way back, even from the conference, I'm sitting there saying, God, what do you want me to, to preach on? What do you want me to share with these people? What do you want me to share with your church? And to be honest, I, 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 it wasn't an audible thing, but I really clearly heard God, just in my mind this clarity of saying, tell the church I love them. Tell the church that I love them, and that's kind of where I was directed to this week, and it was in connection with something that I've recently read uh, from Genesis 24, that God, uh, just this image that I have from Genesis 24 of how much God loves his bride, the church. I was taking notes on my iPad just now and noting some things that I was hearing in these songs that we were just singing they sang that special number, and in there we heard that the Lord made us. The Lord made us. He, he's carved us on his hands to show his love for us. We said in the next song that the love of the Christ, in the love of Christ we stand. We stand in the love of Christ, that love that he's poured out on us. And now we walk in the promise that we have in him. And, and really just this idea of God's love for us is so great. And I wanted to bring that forward this morning in this message. So as his bride, as the, the, the church which God, Jesus went and died for, I want us to consider from Genesis 24, God's love for us and his passion for us. So this morning, we're, we're going to the Genesis 24. It's, it's the longest chapter in Genesis. There's a lot of text, and, and we're going to actually go through all of it, but I'm going to break it up as we go and kind of process through it as we go. Uh, we will read it and, and kind of in these chunks and, and kind of follow the story, the story of the, the, the promised seed of a Abraham, Isaac, and how he finally gets his own bride. So we want to look at that this morning, but before we get into any text, I want to just go before the Lord and pray and, and thank him this morning that we can listen to his word. So uh, will you join me just as we go before God? Father God, we thank you this morning that you do love us. You love us passionately. 
You love us constantly. You love us when we don't think of you, when we aren't mindful of you, even when we go our separate ways or we try to go and do our own things. Lord, as your bride, the church, we remind ourselves this morning of how much you love us. Jesus, you came, you died, you were the down payment, and you were the one in which uh, God has shown his love, and, and that was acted out for us. And Spirit, now as we think on you and we listen to your word, as we listen to this story from the Old Testament, Lord, Spirit, I ask that you speak to us, that your words come off my lips, and that what our ears hear are of you, that you can remind us again about how great your love is for us. Lord, I believe that if you aren't working, then this is just a lecture. We ask that you are here. We know that you are. And we ask that we can be in tune with you. Jesus, it's in your name this morning that we pray. Amen. So Genesis 24, if you're looking in the Pew Bibles, you're going to be looking at page 15. And I'd ask that as we go through this, normally I read the whole scripture passage, but I want to break this up. And so I'd ask that you keep your hand in there, your finger in the Bible, and kind of track with me as we go through these different sections. The first text that I want to read is verses 1 through 9, and there we're going to see a first point. We're going to find there a passion to find a bride for the Son. A passion to find a bride for the Son. Look with me at verses 24, chapter 24, 1 through 9. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge over all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you, you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaanites among whom I dwell." But will go to the country of my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. We see a passion to find a bride for the son. This story, Genesis 24, it, it comes at the end of Abraham's life. And actually, it's basically the last action that Abraham has before he dies. This promised, uh, this guy, Abraham, who, who we know was given so much blessing from God, he was, he was chosen from God and pulled out to be the chosen one, the one in whom all the promises of God were found Abraham is, is, is the man. 
that God has, is going to use. And, and for this moment, this last action, the very last thing that he finds most important is to find a bride for Isaac, his son. He wants to find a bride, and that becomes an important thing that maybe we can just say, well, that just seems like he wants to find his son a happy spouse, but it's much more than that. All the promises of God are hinged upon this line, this lineage going forward. So we can ask, who is Isaac? He doesn't really make a whole lot of appearance in this chapter until the very end, but we see that he's a a key player throughout. He's the one that this whole chapter is going to revolve around, finding a bride for him. We're reminded that Isaac was the one who Abraham was promised. Abraham was old in his years, and so was his wife, Sarah. And, and, And Abraham is told, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a seed on which you're going to become a great nation. And all these blessings are going to come to you. Isaac is that one. It it wasn't as if Abraham just wanted a son for his sake so his heritage could carry on, but Isaac Isaac was desired because God wanted him to have these promises. God has a special purpose for Isaac in the story. And so, even when Abraham was old, he said, how is this possible? How is it going to happen that I'm going to have a son? And then God shows up. And brings the son to a woman who we wouldn't expect to have a child. Someone in old years. Kind of similar to when we get to the New Testament. And I want to start drawing these connections. The son, Isaac, is born to a woman you would not expect to have a child. And so we find in the New Testament, who? Jesus. Born to one who we would not expect, Mary, a virgin. So we start to see that this way of God's working and bringing this son, Isaac, has some connections to our Lord. Much more than that, Isaac then further becomes, in the story of Isaac, if you go back and look, he he becomes really a prototype, an idea or a a, a smaller uh, version of what we're going to ultimately see in our Lord later on. Isaac isn't just a guy from the Old Testament. He points us forward to seeing some things about our Savior, Jesus. And that becomes especially important in chapter 22 of Genesis. Chapter 22 of Genesis, what happens? Abraham takes Isaac and he goes where? He goes up a mountain to do what? To sacrifice the chosen son. To sacrifice Isaac, the one on whom all the promises, all the blessing is there. And God says, go and sacrifice him on the mountain. Offer him to me. And we see in that story, if you were to go back into 22, and we don't have time for it, but, but there Isaac, is, he himself is carrying the wood for the sacrifice on his back. Sometimes when we hear this story, we think of Abraham, and we we think in terms of Abraham's faith, but we miss the significance of what Isaac is doing. Isaac is becoming a Christ-like figure in the fact that he is carrying the wood for the sacrifice. He's wise enough to even ask, where is the sacrifice? And it's him. So when we go to Genesis and we start to look forward, and, and then we see that story where God rescues Isaac by his grace. He brings a ram instead. We can make comparisons, again, Isaac, to fast-forwarding to Jesus, who himself carried the cross to Calvary. He was sacrificed, and by God's grace, God's goodness, God's hand, he was raised from the dead. 
I'm making these early comparisons because we need to see Isaac in the right light, in the right way as we approach this text where Abraham wants to find a bride for Isaac. We continue on through these verses and we look through them and we note that Isaac can't leave the land. Abraham wants to find a bride, but God has called him to Isaac to stay there in the land. He doesn't want him to leave. He wants him to stay right where he is in the promised land so he can have the blessing and continue to move forward. And we see later in Isaac's life again, God says, don't leave this promised land, the, the place where you belong. And so Isaac is supposed to stay there, but we know that Isaac needs to find a bride, and we know that someone needs to go and find the correct bride, and so we have this servant. The servant who goes before Abraham, and Abraham says, go and find a bride, go and find a wife for Isaac, my chosen one. The servant's anxious and says, well, what if she doesn't come? What if the bride doesn't come and follow me? And what happens then is Abraham is confident that the angel of the Lord, what I would say is the Holy Spirit, will go before you, will lead you, will guide you, will bring you to this bride, and she will come back and be with Isaac. So in this text, in this story, we continue on. There's a passion to find the bride, and, and we can pause there to say that, that, that Isaac, without his bride, it misses the blessing. It, it misses out on his glory. He, he's not going to have what God has promised to him without a bride. And so there's a need, a passion, and God, through Abraham, needs to find this bride. So verses 10 through 14, we see the servant starting out. The servant starts out, but he leaves it up to the Lord. Look at verses 10 through 14. The servant took ten of his master's camels. And departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of the water of water at the time of evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman, whom I say, please lick on your jar that I may have a drink, and whom shall say, drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. The servant who sets out. We don't know much about him. We're not told his name necessarily in this passage. Some scholars think it's maybe uh, Eleazar, who was earlier mentioned, the one who would have inherited a lot from Abraham had Isaac not come around. But we're not sure on this. If it is, he, he performs a humble task by going out and serving. He, he's not mad. He's not imp frustrated that he's having to go find a wife. No, he wants to find this wife, and he wants to go find it for Isaac, the groom who's waiting at home. So he starts off. He sets out with gifts. He sets off with abundance from the father, from Abraham, camels and gifts. And then he kind of creates this tough conflict that we have. He says, 
I'm going to go. I'm going to find these women, uh, uh, these brides that are out there. But it's got to be you, God, that works. It's got to be you, Lord, that shows up in this moment. If you want your bride for Isaac, you need to show up. He says, I'm going to ask her if she can give me a drink. And she's going to have to respond with, I will water your camels as well. The servant is confident that this would happen. But he's only confident in it that it's going to happen if God is there leading and guiding. If God is passionate about finding this bride that he loves and wants for Isaac. And in verse 13, we hear that important word. The bride that you have appointed. This isn't going to be some random chance. This is an elected bride. This is a chosen bride. This is one that God has thought of beforehand. Even as we sang earlier, the God who engraved us on his hands beforehand. The chosenness of God before he goes out. It's going to be in God's hand to bring this bride about. We're moving through these texts rather quickly. But if we move on to 15 through 18, then we get into this story of how this actually plays out. 15 through 28. Look with me there. Before he had finished speaking, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Tibethuel, the son of Michal, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out to with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden with no man who, whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink full from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will water your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. And the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten shekels, gold shekels, and said, Please let, uh, tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Michal, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of straw and fodder and the room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my, my master Abraham, for who has not forsaken his steadfast love for his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way of his house, the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. God doesn't delay in displaying his bride. He was passionate to find this bride. Uh, The servant is leaving it up to God to find it. And God doesn't delay. He brings it just at the right time. And it's before the servant has even stopped speaking that the bride shows up. A miracle, we could say. 
she, he asks her as she's kind of going about her business, the kind of text points to us, it says she goes to, to go to the water, finds the water, pulls up water, comes back. She's kind of going about her business, and he walks up to her and says, may I have a little water? May I have something to drink? And I find there's a small irony in the fact that he asks for a little water. Because in a moment, we're going to see that she does a big thing. We read in verse 17 that he asks for a little water, and the author of this gives us a little tension. Is this the one? Is this one? Because we don't see her react right away. If we're reading this out loud and we don't know the end of the story, we're kind of sitting there on the edge of our seat wondering, is this the one? Will God work out? Will she respond properly to this call of the servant? Will she respond about feeding, drinking, watering his camels as well? And then we have a miracle. This gal who he asks, can I have a little water? And she gives him a little water and something small to drink. What's crazy about this is, is that then she really comes and gives a miracle. We've been talking a lot in Minnesota about miracles this week, haven't we? We've said that there was one maybe last Sunday night, but what, is, what I want us to point on here, and it's not really seen in the text because we don't know the context, what she says, the fact that she says, I will water your camels, it's kind of a miracle that she said that. Because she's offering to move from just giving him a small drink to actually saying, I'm going to do this giant task. Think about it for a moment. How many camels did this guy have? Ten. He's got ten camels. I read in the context this week that, that a camel uh, is, can go a long journey without drinking. And, and to refill a camel, to fill up the camel's gas tank, it takes about 25 gallons. 25 gallons to fill up a camel. Now you add that up, if you're good at math, 25 times 10 is 250 gallons. And this girl was willing to say, I'm not just going to give you a little drink, I'm going to draw 250 gallons of water for your camels. This wasn't just uh, God showing up and her responding in the proper way. This was truly a miracle of God that she was willing to go and go the extra mile. This wasn't just something that she naturally would have done, or at least I wouldn't naturally have done. God shows up in a big way to affirm, this is the bride. This is the one I want for my son. This is the one that you take home to the groom. He begins at that point to lavish gifts on her. He gives her these gold uh, jewelry to decorate her, down payments on the bride, uh, thanks and, and appreciation in her, the starting to turn that she is the one for Isaac. She is the one that should go home. She's the one that's chosen by God. And it says in the text that the servant worships God. The servant worships that he's going to bring a bride for Isaac, that he has shown up. What may be of interest here to us, I think, at least to this point, is that the servant hasn't really made his intentions known yet even. He hasn't said what he's come there for. He's just shown up, and none of this has happened by him saying, hey, I'm here to find a bride. It just happens, and God shows up without him having to tell them. Which is why what happens next, the repeating of the story, becomes kind of important to us. 
an acknowledgement of them uh, seeing what God is doing and what God's hand is. Look at verse 29, and this is our longest passage. It repeats a lot of the text, but there's an acknowledgement of God's work. He shares with them just what God has done. Verse 29 through 51. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out towards the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went out to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house a place for the camels. So the man came into the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and they were... And there was water to wash the feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Their food was, the food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. So Laban said to the servant, speak on. So the servant said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, his mother's wife, bore a son to his master when she was old. And to him he was given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he, Abraham, said, The Lord before whom I walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from the clan of my father's house. Then you will be free from this oath when you come to my, to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord God my master, my master, of my master Abraham, if now you are preparing of the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of the water. Let a virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I say, Give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, Drink? And I will draw a camel for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom God has appointed for my master's son. Before I'd finished speaking in the heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I, all, I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Naor, whom Michal bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets in her arms. Then I bowed the head of, and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, If you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or the left hand. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, These things come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. A big repeat of the story. 
a lot of text and kind of rehashing out of this text, but it's important to consider what is the servant doing and what is, is going on here in the text as this whole thing is being done, said again. We think to the, the author, you could have left that part out. We know that story. But what the servant is doing as he's saying these things, as he's presenting his case before them, He's offering to Rebecca's family, look at all God has done. In a way, we could say he's presenting the good news of what God has done. The, the gospel message for the servant at that time. Look at God's hand. Look at what he's done. Do you see what he is doing to bring his bride to him? God has shown up. What will you do with that? Hospitality is offered to the servant, but he, he, won't, uh, he won't partake until he has shared this good news, what he's come for, his reason for being there. He wants to make sure this story is told before they get on to the, the, the eating and the drinking and the celebrating. First things first, he wants to tell of God's story and what he's doing here. And ultimately, Laban acknowledges that. He, he gives uh, a consent. He gives this story and says, yeah, God is showing up. God is doing this thing. He says, there's Rachel or Rebecca. You can take her. But in a moment, we're going to kind of see that he kind of, as Laban often does in the scriptures, he kind of uh, reneges on the deal and changes the story around and kind of plays this trickery. We think for a moment that he's with this idea, but maybe not so fast. What's interesting here is the bride herself hasn't consented. The bride herself isn't yet going. She hasn't said yes to go to be with the groom. And so we move on to 52 through 61. There we see that the bride leaves all to go to be with the grooms, to go and be the grooms. The bride leaves it all. Verse 52, when Abraham's servants heard their words... He bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry and of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. She's starting to become the bride. He also gave to her brother and to her mother's costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. Then they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days, for that after that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call on the young woman and ask her. And they said to Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. May your offspring possess the gate of those who hate you. Then Rebekah, her young woman, arose and rode on the camels and followed the men. Thus the servant took Rebekah. And went his way. This passage shows us that the bride is leaving all. 
to go to be the groom's. This romantic tale, this, this long narrative, this long story that God is coming, uh, it's, it's, God is working in it. God is, is using it and showing his, his passion and his desire to bring this bride to Isaac. God is working through the servant and wants to bring her in. And we think it's going to happen, but then suddenly the shift this, no, make her stay, make her stay here. The bride should stay here for a while. It's a curve. God has clearly shown up. The angel of the Lord has directed the way, and the servant has started to decorate this bride to be married to Isaac. But then we realize that the bride, Rebecca, she has a family. She has a life that she's lived. She has something that she's comfortable with. And, and for her to go means to leave everything behind. Her brothers, family, the life she knows, she needs to leave it for the sake of becoming the grooms. Laban tries to delay, and then the servant says, don't delay me. This bride either needs to stay or go with me. And Laban says, bring her here and she can decide. Let her decide if she will go to be the grooms. And so before we read those words and her response, we can sit there and say, for the bride, what this meant was she would have to choose. It wasn't so much to just acknowledge what God had done. It wasn't so much to acknowledge this good news of God's working to this point. No, she needed to choose and say, I will go. I will leave everything behind to go be the beautiful bride of the groom. servant will not wait. And so, what will she say? The bride, then we hear these beautiful statements, I will go. By faith, she trusts that the, the groom at the end of the road is much better than the life that she has before. She chooses and says, I want to go and be the bride. She leaves it all behind, and it's interesting, but that, at that point, when she says that, and she starts to go, that we get verse 60. Verse 60, if you look at it again, our sister, you may, be, may you become thousands upon ten thousands. May your offspring present, possess the gate of those who hate him. Those texts are not new words. Those are words that God has already spoken to Abraham in chapter 17 and chapter 22 as part of the blessing that is given to Abraham. It's interesting that the hook, the, the t- way that this changes, is when this gal says, yes, I will go, I will be fully devoted to the groom, and I want to go and be his. It's then that she receives the blessing, not just from the words of people, but she receives the blessing that God has given to Abraham. She's blessed in her ways. She's going to be part of a great nation. She's going to be the bride that people look back to and say, wow. She says, I will go. I will go, and, and, and she gets the promises of God, and then she rides off. She starts on the journey towards the groom. And this is where I want to camp out for just a second. I, I wanted to frame this in the sense of the bride. I think that it's important for us to say, 
who is this bride? Is this just some Old Testament story, or is this a picture of what ultimately will be Jesus and His own bride, the church? Those who will hear the gospel and respond and will ultimately say, yes, I will give up all to go be with the groom. I will give up all and trust that God's blessing will come down the road, that when I get to the groom, that it will be sweet and it will be better than this life that I have now. God has shown his crazy love for Rebecca here, and I think it illustrates as we look through the text that God is madly passionate and wants to love us as his bride. When we say, yes, I will go, I will forsake all to follow the new Isaac, the new groom, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. For some of us, for many of us, I think we've made that decision. We've said, yes, I will go. We've made it in a point where we are traveling on the road towards the groom. We're walking towards that groom and we're living life and looking back and saying, by faith I'm trusting that this walk, this journey with Jesus is good, that there's blessing at the end of the road, that there's things for me ahead. And some of us daily even need to remind ourselves, I will go. Today I will go. Today I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to trust that the groom is there. A groom I have not yet physically seen in the flesh. But I know that I will see him. For others of us in this room, I I believe that some of you, like the family of Rebecca, may acknowledge the good news, may acknowledge the idea of the gospel message of what Jesus has done, but you haven't said, I will go. You haven't said yes to actually saying, I'm going to turn and dedicate my life towards the groom. I'm going to go after him and nothing else. And by faith, trust that he is good. If you've said that before, the result is worship. Worship the God who has worked in your life and worked how to bring you his bride to him as part of the church. If you have not, I would encourage us to say, what does it look like to say, yes, I will go and give myself fully to the groom. I know it's kind of strange for maybe, especially us guys, to think of ourselves as the bride of Christ and and think of the church as that, but I think that this is an idea that we need to start to see and how God looks at us if we are his how he's going to love us, care for us, bring us to him. And that's where the story lands. Look with me at verses 61 through seven, through, or 62 through 67. Isaac, the son of the chosen one on whom blessing will be found, the one whom Abraham has been promised, the one whom blessing will come through him. It says this, Now Isaac had returned from Beer, the Heilroy, and was dwelling in Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, saw and behold, there, was cam- there were camels coming. 
And Rebekah lifted up his eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that, she, that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. If we relate these stories and we point forward to this being a, 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 a prototype of what Jesus does, which I think it does. This, if we are in Christ, if we are the bride of Christ, we long for this day when the groom takes the bride to be his, when he takes us fully to be his. Isaac is there, and he goes out to meet his bride, and and he brings her in. She covers her face to veil to get ready for the wedding, the final uh, moment when she's going to be fully his. As Isaac brings her into the tent, they consummate their relationship, and, and there she becomes his wife fully, completely. It's almost a they live happily ever after story. Obviously, we know there's more about Isaac's life, but for now, for this moment, we get this feeling that all things are well. And it says, Isaac loved her. For those of us that are in Christ, this is our story if we trust in Him. One day, Jesus will, as we sang earlier, until He calls me home or He comes, he, we long for this day when Jesus will fully love us. When we will fully be His, we won't have sin, we won't experience this world anymore, but we will experience His embrace, His love. And I think that that note, so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And we can just think of that historically and think of what that was doing. But what is he saying? Not only do we love her, but for Isaac, this new bride was his joy. It was the thing he put his joy in. It was the thing that he loved. He was happy in. And for us, when Christ comes and we go to be with him, that's what we're going to experience. We long for that day. When he calls us home. We sang earlier that until that day, in the love of Christ, I stand. We hear this message and what we should say is, as I walk through this day, I stand in the love of Christ, not just at my salvation, but in every day of my life, hoping and walking with him, trusting that there's goodness. If I have said, yes, I will go and be the bride of the groom. This morning, I hope that as we turn towards prayer and thanking God for that, in some way, I, I just hope that what you hear is that God loves you. God is passionate about us, as I said in the beginning. Wherever you're at today, whatever you're wrestling with, whether you've said yes to Christ or not, I hope that what you hear is trusting and going to Christ. He is there. He loves. He hasn't forgotten. And one day he will bring us and we will be fully his. So we remind ourselves of that this morning. Let's pray. Father God, 
you are passionate through your servant Abraham to find a bride for Isaac. You wanted a beautiful bride on whom thousands upon thousands could become a great nation for you. In a much greater way, your chosen son, Jesus, came, died, rose, ascended to sit next to you on the throne even now. And your way and your will is that you are going out and seeking and finding a bride for your son, Jesus, even now, today. And for those of us that have said, yes, I will go, I will go to be the grooms, you are looking at us and longing as we long for that day when we will be united forever. Father God, help us to remember that. Help us to be reminded of the fact that you have sought us out and that you will bring us to you. That we walk in your truth and your promises and your love as the betrothed to the groom. And until that day, when we experience the wedding feast of the Lamb at the end, may we walk in confidence in your love for us, your church. In your name, Jesus, we pray.